Good morning, everyone. We are going down to the Masters. It's like none other, and so is this show. As I'm moving and grooving, you can see my seatbelts on. I'm not driving. Don't worry, Mikey Diamond. Uh, I got the mic show on Wednesday. But next on the mic is Mike Diamond and Mike Unbroken. Thank you guys for joining me. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, uh, Mike Diamond, uh, before we get started, I think you have something big going on. What's going on? Well, my book came out yesterday. We did a book signing in L.A., which is great. We've got a book signing. I'll see Mike Unbroken on Saturday. Thank you, Dave, for everything you've done to help this book over the last three years. So you can download it now. A dose of positivity is in stores, some select stores, and obviously you can get it on Amazon. So thanks, Dave. Awesome. You, you got it. We're going to be doing a, a few uh, book signings in conjunction with some stuff going on. Maybe I can get you down to VCon. Uh, we have a mastermind with Jim Quick and Austin Eckler, Chandler, Sean Dill. Uh, we're going to have a really got stage a podcast studio so maybe we could do a book signing down there and uh keep this rolling because everybody especially now needs a dose of positivity so congratulations man i, can, I cannot Thank wait you. to get this book in more people's hands uh and we are going down to the masters uh it's, i think my 30 something year down here i've lost track it's been so many years the only year i missed was during covid but so did they and i wasn't going to come down in november we have another great author and CEO of Remote Staff here, and it's Chris. Get me right here. It's Jan Kulovsky. Jankulovsky. So that's good. That's close enough. Jankulovsky. No, no. Close, close enough is not good enough. Say it one more time so everybody gets it right. Okay. Jankulovsky. Jankulovsky. So this is my dear friend, Chris Jankulovsky, here on Office Hours. All right. Awesome. Well, you know, I believe, Chris, that life's about lessons uh, and the lessons keep on coming until we learn them. Um, there's some lessons we don't want to keep coming like near death experiences or near death lessons. Um, I'd only like those to happen once <laughs> and I would, I, I, I've had them in my life more than once, um, but they're a different type of lesson. Uh, in, in conjunction, people think about, you know, do I have to bottom out in order to impact or affect change. And we have Mike Diamond here and Mike Unbroken, uh, who are experts in you know, whether or not you need to bot bottom out to make significant change or learn significant lessons. People ask me that all the time. Do you really you think, do you think I have to lose everything like you, you moron, to, to make the changes in my life before? Uh, and so that's my first question. You know, do you need near death experiences or bottom out experiences? in order to have impactful lessons that we learn? Look, uh, the simple answer to that truth is obviously no. But unfortunately, in a lot of people, it requires uh, absolute disaster to wake them up to a transformation, to wake them up and reframe them. Because the, our worldviews, they're not set in stone. But because our brain patterns just keep running these efficiency loops of patterns, we just assume that the world is the way it is until it gets broken. And then we are forced to stop, reevaluate, and understand and make sense of this world because our brain can't function unless it makes sense of it. So the truth is, do we need to get to that level before we make a change? No. Change at the end of the day is fundamentally a choice. We have to come to a point of making a choice. Yeah. Love yeah. it. 
Yeah, I love what you said, Chris, because I work in the recovery field and people always talk about rock bottom and Mike will talk about it as well. But mm. I tell people I've, I've, I've paid the dummy tax like Dave talks about and I've made the mistakes. Don't make the mistakes I've made. You, there's a blueprint. So, is you know, do you think when you coach people now, when you see them about to hit rock bottom, do you think it's your job to intervene? and try to teach them that, or do you allow them to hit rock bottom? It's their choice, it's their yeah, life. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> uh, so, so you know, you, you can't, if somebody wants to hit rock bottom, you know, no matter what we do to try to stop that at the end of the day, it's like our kids. We don't wanna, we don't wanna tell them how to live their lives. They need to live it, experience it, and learn from that experience. And so when it comes to these the, the people who we're all trying to help. We're always trying to help and serve and contribute. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. What kind of an impact we can make to others. And so for these people who think that the only option for them to make a change is to hit rock bottom, they have to wake up to that reality that I can choose to approach the situation differently. I do not have to accept this reality or this confrontation in my life right now. There is a future beyond this problem. And often it's so hard to see beyond the problem when you're right in the middle of it. So every now and then you just need somebody like, like us, all of us here, just to say to them, hey, dare hope that the best is yet to come around the corner because nobody knows the future. So why, why anticipate the worst? Why not put your energy in, the, in, in, in possibility, hoping that the future might be better? You, you might actually start believing in the next two, three years ahead of you that it's going to be fascinating times ahead rather than this disaster. That's the biggest challenge with the people who are hitting rock bottom is they can't see any future. They can't see any hope. And that's the biggest shift we need to make in all of them. So, Chris, when you're going through this and, and you get with someone or, or even in your own life and you're faced with the potential of positivity, right? Here it is on the other side of this. This is what you could have. Maybe you're reading a dose of positivity daily. You're trying to figure out how to navigate this world. And, and yet the changes aren't coming. They're not happening. Like, what do people have to do so they don't have to continue to have these lessons, but instead can have from a strategic standpoint, what is like one step someone can take to actually start making these shifts after these, these near-death lessons? Awesome, mate. There's only one. There's only one thing. Uh, it took a brain operation a second time and a tumor to burst in my right hemisphere that affected all my, this is how my left side works, 50 years of movement, five, seven years of movement. When that tumor burst in my head, it took me two and a half months to wake up to the reality that I, that it's happened. I can't change it. It's done. So by accepting the reality you are in, not with a bias, like really embrace the reality will allow you to do something very important. It will allow you to accept the situation and to shift your focus to what you can do, what you can control. And the biggest thing and the only thing we can control in our life is our inner environment, our heart, our emotions, our mind. And if we could invest our energies in controlling that to be better today than we were yesterday, you know what? Leave the rest of the outcomes and the results to God because we can control what we can control. If we do our best, it's shocking how far we can go. 
you know, Chris, there's a, a lot to unpack in that answer that you gave Michael and Broken, uh, because I was waiting for that essence of understanding what we do have control of. And I know these guys are both familiar with the 12 steps and uh, the prayer. Uh, Mikey, may, maybe you can just share it because I don't, I don't want to butcher some in the car. God, what, what, what's, what's the... Serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, mm. and at its at its core, one of the other lessons that's inherent upon that beautiful uh, prayer, uh, which I try to get people to think about every day, I, I say, you know, something like that, you know, more in a philosophy that I have uh, of understanding that I have control of my mindset, heart set, and hand set. And uh, I am, and I want to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with what I am. Uh, in, into that context is a real big issue that I've learned over the last probably six months with the double mics here. And it's the simple things to do are simple not to do. And as you were listing off all the things in your life, you know, it seems really simple. Like, hey, maybe, you know, I should you know, look, look and take control of my own life uh, and have faith that I'm being protected and promoted. I'm going to go a step beyond being protected and promoted. How do we get people to pay attention to the simple things and make sure they get the simple things done so they can have control of their mindset, their heart set and their hand set? You, 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 it's one of your core uh, key, key points you talk about as well. Gratitude. Ah. Gratitude, it's such an opener. Uh, it opens us to see the light in any situation. And gratitude is just something we must have in our lives, no matter what happens. And yes, out of my eight near-death experiences since the age of seven to 44, now I'm 50, half of them were seriously ugly. You know those ugly ones? They're not, they're not casual in any which way. They're not like things you talk to your mates about and go, man, that was close. No, these are brutal. And, and every time I bounce back from those things, sometimes I'd rather be dead than continue living. Because when you're spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally shattered into little pieces, you just don't know how in the world you're going to ever rebuild again. And, and you know what? If you're going to dare hope that time's just going to pass, gratitude is the only thing that's often always rebuilt me. And love, of course. And our strong women, of course. My God, our, our <laughs> love and our, <laughs> our women, my, they bring us back all the time. So when we go through that valley of death, you know, they, my wife told me, Chris, it might be easier for you to die, but it's not, but it's not easier for me and we'll get through this. And, and you know what? It just buys time, right? Buys more time, more time on this earth, provides us more opportunities for gratitude. More gratitude provides us more opportunity to see and reframe how we see and, and decide how we choose to see the life that we live. It's all a choice. So, Steve, you want to? Uh, yeah, uh, that was my question. Go. Yeah. So, a lot of people. I don't know. Once you get this out of context, do you? How much do you think? When we go through a near-death experience, is we're choosing something so did you like you go through these tumors right and a lot of people like dr Do spence will say we're bringing this on the mind body connection mm. my appendix mm. burst i have colitis i control it by how i you know my mind body connection how much of these things 
when mind-body connection to you, do you, do you think looking back? Because a lot of people like to say, well, it just happens. It, it's, it's not my fault. It, there is a cause and effect on how we think and feel and, and we act. How much do you now, looking back, do you feel you cause this by stress and other things? So I, I have a hereditary condition. When I was diagnosed at the age of 19, I was told I'd be dead by 30. I'm one of these lucky people who are 0.4% blessed to handle such extreme adversities as mine to grow cysts and tumors in all my major organs. Now, four of my near-death experiences made no impact to me. Four did. And the ones that did, every time, it was like a reset button. It was like a reset on a reboot or everything. How I, how I hold something true. Everything that I, that I hoped and dared believed in my life, everything was reset. Who, my identity, my, my personal self-interpretation, all of that changed. Everything was up for grabs. And every time I go through those moments to reevaluate everything, I stop life. Because it's an inner journey I go on. I go through this transformation and most of it I'm aware it happens subconsciously. My consciousness is always catching up. It's annoying. And those changes, those changes happen subconsciously. And, and six months later, I'm like picking up and picking up the clues here and there. And those things, how much of those have I brought on to myself? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that there's a seed of greatness in all of us and I just get more onion layer, like more to the core. And the more I get to the core, the more we are more powerful, every one of us. Like the more we embrace who we truly are, we are God-given creatures with these incredible blessings to be here. And what we need to do is just embrace the true authenticity of ourselves. Anyone, whoever we are, we are so damn powerful. The more we embrace who we are. I'm going to rename your book. Uh, I'm waiting for my conscience to catch up and it's annoying. <laughs> that, that, that is great wisdom. Uh, Chris, thank you so much. Everyone, there's two, there are two books, two books today you got to buy. Uh, A Dose of Positivity by uh, my boy over there, Michael, uh, the other Michael. And uh, of course, he's diamond in the rough to me. Uh, and Chris's book, Near Death Lessons uh, and Understanding how we can use lessons to impact our lives immediately instead of uh, waiting for somebody else to save us. Uh, thanks so much, Chris. Please come back and join us. Great interview. Thank you, mate. Appreciate awesome, it. Mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Everybody from Down Under has to write a book. Is that what's going on? I'm broken. What the I heck? I think so, right? <laughs> it's Australia Book Day. I don't know if you knew that or not. Oh, yeah. Australian, Australian Book Club. <laughs> The Australian Book Club by uh, Dose of Positivity. All right, well, we're rocking and rolling. Literally, I'm on my way to the Masters, and we got another Master here. Uh, and uh, Rick is here. Is Melissa here as well, Rick? She's not here today, guys. I'm sorry she couldn't make it. She's uh, she's busy with a, a last minute pop up with a client. So yeah, we we don't me. believe we don't believe in busy. We believe in active. So she's very active, and uh, we appreciate her prioritizing the activity she uh, gets paid for instead of this enjoyable four-way, foray, as I say. Anyway, Rick uh, Caballo, Caballo, Caballo? Caballo, um, I'm Australian too. Um, oh, shit. It is Australian book day. It is Australian day. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, we've been in Nashville, Tennessee for 15 years. 
Um, but I'm Spanish. I was, my parents are Spanish and I was born in Australia to uh, Spanish parents. Hence my yeah, accent. Caballo is a, is a cowboy. Yeah, you're, you're a cowboy, so you're in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> you got the, the dead, dead horse cowboys here, dead horse branding, co-founder uh, with his friend Melissa there. And uh, you also uh, are, are a author, um, no surprise, because it's Australian Book Day. Um, and there's so much going on. <laughs> give me a little bit of background. Uh, <laughs> give, give me a little bit of background on the business model uh, that you guys have at Dead Horse Branding. Well, to us, we're, we're a full branding house where we do everything from strategy, logo design, web design, publicity, licensing, um, all the all the good stuff, core elements that make a brand. Um, but our thing is challenging. Uh, we like challenges. We, we don't want to just work with who's a hot thing right now and just keep it keep it rolling. We want to build something from the ground up. So we work with baby acts or new businesses that are starting to legacy iconic acts to keep the revenue uh, going. Cause you'll find with the, the legacy acts are my favorite cause they've had so much success. And even in, in the music world that we like, we're strong in the music world and fashion world. So in the music world, their business has gone up and it starts flattening up, flattening out, and then it starts going down. So, we like to get in when it starts dipping down or, or flat and just take it to the next level, especially with uh, iconic acts that have passed on. And, you know, you look at Elvis Presley Enterprises, they're killing it still, you know, 30 something years later after he's gone, they, they see the value and the worth and the brand. So it's just, uh, it's smart to, to keep it going, you know, financially and not only financially, but for the legacy of the act and what they brought to the world. So Dead Horse, is that bringing back the Dead Horse? Where'd you come up with such a great name? Well, we had a fashion line and one of the designs was Dead Horse, like a Dead Horse design, which is our logo. And everything revolves around horses because my last name in Spanish means horse. Um, so we, I thought yeah, it was a cowboy, so, man. I got to go, Caballero is a cowboy. Got, yes, that's right. That's right. You got it, man. You got it. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's basically with branding, you know, the, the frame is there. So the skeletal horse is there, the frame, and then we add the flesh to the bone. Um, but yeah, the key elements is always the foundation, which is, is your bone structure, I guess. Rick, one of the things I, I think in business people misconstrue quite frequently, and I'd love for you to kind of delineate and separate for us here as a, as an individual or a company, like what is the difference between branding and marketing? And why is it that you guys are able to do what you're able to do as a brand helper well a lot of a lot of people think that um well let me say this a good solid brand with a good solid foundation the marketing writes itself you know what i mean all the key elements of the story the integrity of the company or the brand whatever it is that's already inbuilt into the brand so to market that is easy you just go back to the brand okay what are we doing this week okay they're they're, they're passionate about love or they're passionate about helping people or they're passionate about um a certain thing like like we, we're in the music business so for example bono behind me he is passionate about equality and helping people and helping others that's the key element of their brand so you just have to stem from that bruce springsteen the same he's for the working class you know alice cooper for example is a different different beast you know so he's 
the marketing strategy around that is that around his brand as well. He's, he's into killing babies and stuff, not in real life, but you know what I mean? So the difference between branding is branding is your key identity and your story. And then marketing is components on how do we sell that story? Um, and they're, they're two totally different things. I mean, if you don't have a solid brand, then whatever marketing you do is going to be flimsy and fall apart later on down the track. So, you know, always start with the foundation, not with the roof. Yeah, um, Chris, uh, I'm blessed here, Rick. Um, so, there, you know, I deal with this a lot in sports, though. You know, that's my background. And, in, in, you know, I think about a story. There's a guy named Vaughn Miller uh, who, you know, his sports agency calls me. Can you help us, you know, market? A brand of a starting middle linebacker for the Denver Broncos, and a lot, a lot of people call me at that stage when they're trying to build a community or revive a community with the legacy brands uh, that exist. You know, Hall of Famer, for example. Uh, you have Hall of Famers in music, again, that can be revived and catapulted in past where they were when they actually were on stages, uh, even even when they were live. Uh, we can do that as well. Uh, but there is a big difference, you know, and, and the point about Von Miller, by the way, is that he wins MVP of the Super Bowl and all of a sudden, right, it's like, oh, Dave, we don't we don't need you, right, because you're just taking orders now. <laughs> they're, 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 yeah, no, no need to market anymore because there's too many deals. Um, but how do we, you know, number one, distinguish between building a community or reviving a community uh, because they're two different arts? and skill sets involved and a lot of firms won't build a community around like the two michaels here and it's a, it is a lot easier to revive a community how do you deal with the differentiator between those two different business models that exist in your brand well again it all stems back to the brand and when when they're starting out small and they're trying to make it it's one strategy and then when their legacy is a different strategy as we know so for example, we're starting to work with Bo Diddley Estate. He's passed on. It's been a while. He's the creator of rock music. He's the man. Elvis Presley stole his moves. Um, he had so much integrity in what he did. He was he was uh, probably one of the first known guys that started rap music from a rock background. He had girls on stage playing uh, instruments. So he was very forward thinking. So what we do is we we attach ourselves to those. I'll use fans, those communities that, you know, female empowerment, the rap side, the rock side, the, the Elvis Presley side, we, we bring all that together and we start selling what he did as a, as an artist, as a person. Um, a lot of these guys are very uh, passionate about certain things. And, and Bo Diddley was very, he was a founder of um, uh, supporting underprivileged youth, for example. Um, so what we've done with, with Bo is with the community that's around him, we're, we're just tapping into it through social media, through bigger brands that have associated with him before in the past, like Fender Guitars, and we're, we're re-establishing those uh, connections because the Bo Diddley brand was, was pretty much, it's, I wouldn't say it's dormant, but it was neglected, you know, it's like a house, you need to keep up the maintenance, give it a fresh coat of paint every now and then. So that's one thing. And then starting out on the other end uh, to build a community, 
uh, you need to go back to the brand. What are your core elements? What do you believe in it? And attach yourself to that. And, and obviously brand collaborations help, you know, it's a no brainer to put a, 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 a list sportsman or musician with Pepsi or Coca-Cola. It's, that's no, no challenge. Like who cares? It's like two big brands working together. Okay. It's done. Move on. But to really find the core elements of what they believe in, what their story is, is most important than anything. Because after, after all the flimsy money deals go, you know, what, what are you doing after that? You know, as your career slows down, what are you doing outside of your career? There's, there's more money to be made in merchandise these days and touring than it is to be playing music and mainly merchandise. So a lot of acts, music acts specifically, they're not in the music business, they're in the t-shirt business. So that's, um, that's key elements that we work with on a day to day basis. A lot of people get confused and they look at it, especially now with social media and they look at everyone else's brand and they're not authentic in their brand. And then when something changes, they're like, well, that's my story. And it's not their authentic story because you, we all know storytelling is everything and it's got to be your story. And sure, like you say, Elvis stole from different people, but still deep, deep down, Elvis was his own unique niche in his own thing. How do you teach people to not get comparison syndrome and stay focused and be authentic? Because so many people jump all around and they can't stay on point. Yeah. Are you Australian too? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, um, that's, we do that every day. And, and then there's clients that think that they're this, but they're really that. And it's like, why are you trying to be another Taylor Swift? Why are you trying to be another John Mayer? Like, be yourself. Because at the end of the day, the hottest thing, let's say the hottest thing is country music right now. In five years, it's going to be back to rock or something else. It's, there's a shift. There's always a shift. So you need to be true to who you, who you are as, as your own creative and then just build from that. Um, we, I wouldn't say struggle, but our job as a branding agency was like we locked down clients that they say, well, I don't like that or I don't want to go in that direction. And I'm going to say, why? And they'll say, I don't, I don't know why. And I said, well, I can tell you a hundred reasons why not. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, and if they choose to, to go in that path, it's their brand, it's their life, it's their company. We, we support it and we, we guide them through the way. And then at the end, we may say, I told you so. Um, but when you, when you get that good at doing something and, you know, when people have been doing, putting their 10,000 hours in or whatever, they start to see the cracks before they happen. But sometimes our greatest accomplishments come from our greatest mistakes. So you've got to sort of let people find their own way at the same time because they learn. It takes a little bit longer, but they learn. It's a harder, harder way of learning and they learn more significantly. And to, to kind of wrap this up from, from my perspective, looking at so many of these massive brands, when, when somebody gets clarity and they have the ability to tell that brand message, that brand story in the forward facing market, like how do you continue to do that once you pop? Because I think a lot of times it's like, boom, here's the flash in the pan, somebody shows up and then they're gone. So how does like in the most simplified way, how do you keep the brand going forward? I mean, it depends on the, on the brand, but you just got to, like I said, stay true to the core and to, to what your 
fan base is is asking of you um the reason why they they're following you is because they like what you do so you need to do more of it um you just got to be creative you know and and these days everyone back in the day in the music career in the music business people's careers were you know they were learning their craft as they were on tour on stage and and people didn't know couldn't see the flaws of the mistakes because there was no social media there was you know there's very little tv coverage and they would they would hone their skills live and these days not to use taylor swift as an example again but she learned how to sing on stage in front of people in real time there's been some horrible concerts of her filmed but now she's actually you know got some great songs like she's always had great songs but she's she's actually a good singer now and um you know doing things but getting back to your question is you can't you got to be careful with social media because you don't want to make too many mistakes along the way because they're instantaneous and they're there and they're there for everyone to see forever um so i say just be creative be planned out have your strategy always start with a strategy what's your strategy and then build from the strategy and the strategy is just a roadmap you know no one drives from la to, to new york with no strategy they know how much it's going to cost them to drive there they know if the car's going to break down they know where they're going to stay along the way you know how can we if we go left or we go right how can we save a little time or money you know it's always strategy and and, and don't put out too much content because if you put out too much content you know our biggest thing with musicians they'll, they'll come with an album of 12 songs and then they'll go there you go and then the record label go all right what else you got you know put your best foot forward you know give away your best stuff and then then slowly add to that yeah <clears throat> speaking of instantaneous uh and uh here i'm grateful for your patience uh allowing me back to in so um you know I'm thinking the best brand that I'd love to make introductions. Uh, I'd love to introduce you to the Clemente family because that is a brand that is so aligned with today's uh, world, but such a leg the legacy brand that's underused, a brand that I represented years ago. Uh, and I think the world needs to know the Roberto Clemente story. And uh, I think it fits right in with Dead Horse branding, uh, just as an example. So uh, please, Rick, Reach out afterwards. I'd love to make it an introduction. I think it's a, a yeah. brand I'd like to see someone that knows what they're doing uh, actually take care of it. And I'm sure it's aligned as well with your, your cultural background. So you wouldn't mind representing the Clemente family. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for letting me back into the Australian book day. Uh, <laughs> I wonder, I guarantee you we're probably not going to be three for three because our next guest is Alex Shapiro. Uh, and less no. yeah, I doubt he's from Australia. Well, I'm a caballo, so you know, yeah, that's right. Who knows? And who I'm, knows? A caballero, I'm a caballero, so uh, adios, que lo pase bien. Adios, hasta luego. <laughs> Take care. Uh, such a Dave, we've lost your audio. I don't think you can hear us either. <laughs> Can't hear you.
I can't. Okay, so we're just going to cut him off, Alex. Alex, okay. Alex Shapiro, welcome. He's, <laughs> Dave is gone. So it's me and Mike. Dave's on the road. But how are you, my friend? So you have a company, Can Monkey. Let's jump straight into it. So yes, um, it's a, it's an online company that you created where it's forty nine dollars a month to take out your waste in a can. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, we're we're not from Australia. David's right. We're in just the United States right now. We're in fifteen states, seventy five cities. Uh, the only thing Australian that I know right now is Bluey, the TV show that my kids love. So <laughs> that's it. But yes, we're just in the United States right now, 15 states, 75 cities. And essentially, we are the first can to curb service provider where we take your can, trash can, rubbish can, depending on what you call it, to the curb day before pickup. The following day, once the city empties the cans out, we return to your location, take the cans back to their original location. We take timestamp photos of the cans where they're at, at the curb or where they're back. We have geolocations and our own technology. So we're taking like the oldest profession that's been where like you usually ask Johnny next door to handle it when you're on vacation or whatever it is. And now we're making an actual business, almost like the Uber of trash. So you just go online, canmonkey.com, you sign up your property. $49 you, is the monthly subscription and you just forget about it. And then we show up, we call them can runners. We have can runners that show up to your property. Just like I told you, take the can to the curb and back, just like you would your own property. Well, Alex, that's, as you said that I was thinking to myself, these guys are the Uber of trash. And then I thought to myself, how do I invest? Because obviously this will be a billion dollar company. Um, the greatest mistakes of my life as a child were not taking out the trash on time. <laughs> um, I'll leave it at that. So with this, where did this idea come from? And, and why do you think you've been able to expand and scale so quickly? Is it is it because people are like me and always forget to take out their trash? That's a great question. And honestly, my business partner uh, was one of my first mentors uh, when I got out of college. And we were always thinking about different business ideas. He actually started this concept in Scottsdale, Arizona for homeowners. Uh, for the first year, he invested everything that you would in a business, got the website, got the copyright trademarks, got on TV, got the PR, got a, a Fiat wrapped uh, in our Camelke logo. And like I said, the first year only had 24 signups at $35 a month. And he's like, dude, I can't make any money at this. And I think what the problem was, Michael, is that in the beginning, like, just like at one point, people didn't want they're probably in their yard. They probably didn't want a landscaper. So it was that first concept that didn't really make sense. My background was title and escrow. I worked with Fidelity, uh, Lunar, um, WG, some big title companies. I worked with investors during the REO days, short sale days. So I've always looked at people who um, had multiple properties, not just one. So my brain always worked differently. So I was working with an investor that had converted 15 of his long-term rentals into short-term rentals. And that was the first conversation of short-term rentals or Airbnb being in my like, conversation. And then him saying, I'm having all these issues with my trash can. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I was like, I think there's a company that can do that for you. They're for homeowners. Like, would you pay X amount of dollars for this? And he goes, dude, I'd pay $100 a month. You just take my cans for him. He had 15 different properties. Like, you had one issue to go to the can and you couldn't do it at your house. Like, he had 15 of those. And so every day, and sometimes trash and recycling on separate days. So four times a week, you're going to the property, 16 times a month, 16 times 15 properties. That's a, and you're an investor. You don't want to be worrying about your trash cans if you're getting a sign from HOA or you're pissing off your neighbors or you're, or you're, you know, or your guests not happy now in the short term rental that they have to take. Like, 
there's a whole thing. So what I saw was the initial need in the short-term rental Airbnb niche. I went into that market. I coined ourselves as the, as the vacation rental trash solutions company. We also do on-demand trash removal, can cleaning. So our bread and butter, our one thing is the can to curb. And once I get into the can to curb, I can now offer these other solutions. So really a one-stop shop for all your trash solutions. Yeah, I got to interrupt a bit but in case I drop off again because I found this so fascinating as an entrepreneur. Because when I first found out about Cam Monkey, I'm like, that may be the dumbest business I've ever heard of. Like, I'm not going to pay 50 bucks to take my own trash out. Like, I literally in my head, I'm like, how the hell is this dude making any money? Now, meanwhile, I own Airbnbs, VRBOs, short-term rentals, and I'm sitting here going, oh, shit, I need this. Um, and you know, it's very interesting. You know, you can't sell a closed mine. You can't open a closed mine. You just got to get there at a different time. Uh, and here I am now at a different time because I, thanks to you, can connect the dots. And then you added the trash cleaning service, uh, which is a no brainer. Um, and now it makes perfect sense. What is it in your experience that you've been able to connect the dots? Uh, that other people weren't able to connect because, you know, this is where the, I would say, you know, if you love what you do, it tells you all your secrets. If you can connect different industries, careers, and jobs together, it will tell you all its secrets. For you, have you, is this your your own one epiphany or have you always been someone who is an associator and can take and apply what you see, you know, in Italy and say, you know what, that'd be great uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut or wherever it may be. That association is so important as an entrepreneur. I mean, that, that's a great question. I don't even know if I really thought about that through. I, I just know that myself, I'm a delusionally optimistic person. So I think that anything I do, I'm going to be the best at. And when I saw an opportunity that one person had 15 properties that had short-term rentals, my mind went, if he has this problem, everyone has this problem. And once again, I just happened to be in Scottsdale, Arizona. That was like the mecca of short-term rentals. So unbeknownst to me, here I am just blindly just doing my taking cans out in a suit because I was working for fortune. Like, what am I doing this for? I wanted to quit every day. This is the stupidest thing. I said the same question. Like, what am I doing this for? I would need a thousand properties for me to break block. I would need 1500 properties. And I only had like a hunt now with over 4,000 properties in 15 States and 75 cities and the monthly recurring revenue. And then on a man junk removal coming in, like from a business owner, I just can see light at the end of the tunnel. So now it's like, okay, cool. Like all that sacrifice I made during the pandemic and taking the risk and doing it, it made sense. Um, from a logical thought process, it was like, look, if I can get 500 properties in Scottsdale, then why couldn't I get 500 properties in said market? And then now that we have 2,000 properties in Arizona, my mindset goes, well, if I have 2,000 properties in Arizona, I can get 2,000 properties in California, Florida, you know, five more states, that's 10,000 properties, uh, 10,000 properties, uh, this much money coming in, that's this much. And then now I just reverse engineer everything. And so now, if anything, it just looks a little bit easier because I've been able to chip away a lot, a little at a lot. And now I sit here and think, wow, yeah, I could take this all the way to Europe. I could take this to Australia. Um, I could take this to anywhere because um, really it's just rinse and repeat. One which most people like. So Dave is a successful entrepreneur, and he would have laughed at your idea. He might have said, "That's the dumbest idea." Then yeah. reflected on it. Right now, you said something that people aren't going to get, and I want you to reframe this. You said you were doing the work in a suit, and you said to yourself, "Why am I doing this?" Correct. Most people quit at that. I want you to explain 
the difference of what you felt to keep pushing through because most people can't push through those moments and then mm-hmm. the idea goes flat. Talk about that for a second because it's very important. You just brushed over it. I'm in a pushing in a suit. Now, but then you switch. What was the switch? People need to understand that because most people feel like that and quit. I didn't want to quit. I had people watching me, whether it was in my mind, it was my son, my daughter, my, my wife. It was the fact that I said I was going to do something. It was the fact that I brought this guy in, that my business partner, a mentor, he needed help. I said I could fix it. I'm a delusionally optimistic person. I was the person that was going to take Cam Monkey to where it needed to be. Um, I'm in a suit and tie because he said I couldn't start a route in Mesa where I lived. I didn't want to do my own cans anymore. So I said, I'm going to start it in Mesa in Arizona. He goes, you can't. I said, why can I do it? This is my business partner telling me that I can't expand our operations in a market that I was and I was like you're wrong so it was more of just like a chip on my shoulder a, a big F you to everyone in a nice way that look I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna do it in a suit and tie and then no one's gonna tell me that they can't do it because I just did it and if you tell me you can't do it then you just didn't work hard as I did and that's what it comes down to man Alex that's super powerful and I've never heard anyone give a kind F you so congratulations for breaking the mold um, I'm curious, you know, with, with your experience, uh, you know, in title and escrow and Ario, and how do you pull those experiences into Can Monkey to elevate to the next level? Ah, uh, my gosh. Okay, so I haven't even started into that yet, and that's where like I'm I'm waiting. So my background is working with real estate agents during the REO days. So like I didn't even know what a traditional market was until like my fifth year into the real estate industry because I got into the REOs. It was short sales, it was investor. And then when it started like 2015, 2016, they're like, oh, we're have equity. I was like, what's equity? I just never knew what that was. And so I started helping these real estate agents farm, you know, hey, take your nearest uh, zip code. Uh, pull, um, get the data from the leads, you know, pull this information, pull the, you know, non-owner occupied, pull the owner occupied, who are you going after for, listing agents, buyer agents. It went down to very, like, strategic, who's your avatar, who are you going for? Well, that thought process, if a real estate agent is trying to sell a property in a, in a zip code, and I'm now trying to get the nearest neighbor. So, like, right now I have routes all around the country, right? So, like, in Scottsdale, Phoenix, they're my most dense routes. If I want to get even more dense, if I had 20 stops in one hour that someone can do a route in, I want him to do 30 routes. How do I do that? I get more properties in that area. How do I get more properties in that area? I pull the dense area that is one of my best ones. I pull the nearest neighbors. Maybe I pull all the LLC owners. Maybe I pull all the investors that are around there that don't know about Cam Monkey. Just like David said, my biggest issue is that people don't know that Cam Monkey exists. Once they learn about it, they either laugh at it or they say, I'm going to store that for later. And then, or they say, I'm going to use that for, it's like three things, right? They laugh at it. I don't need it because I live in an apartment. They laugh at it. That's a great idea. I wish I thought of it. That's whatever. And it's like, no, what? Shit. I'm in the car right now. And I forgot to take my can to the curb and I really need cam monkey. And then you think about it later and then you're like, no, I'm going to sign up right now. And then you sign up and then our churn rate is less than 1%. So once you sign up, you're not going away. Um, So for me, it's just like now I've gone over the proof of concept. I got the routes off um, just the word of influence. It was a big deal that like my cell phone doesn't work your ears. And so and now um, I would use my real estate background and to get into the closer areas of the routes I already have. And that's how I would use it. Just that that farming aspect of it.
I don't know what happened to Dave. He just went <laughs> yeah. dead. He just disappeared. Okay, that was incredible. So where can um if people want to join up, if people want to use a service, they go to what is it, canmonkey.com? Canmonkey.com is our website. Whether you want to become a can runner and you want to apply for a job and running cans, canrunner.com or canmonkey.com. We're on the Apple Store and Google Play. Uh, we are competing with like the Uber Eats and Uber and Instacart with you know getting people. So as much as I'm in the the you know, short-term rental industry. I'm also in the gig economy. So uh, as much as my clients are important to me that they pay me every month, my more important clients are my can runners. So I have over four, 500 active can runners that run routes for us. Um, we have over 2000 routes a month doing over 40,000 stops a month um, and taking cans to the curb and back, taking pictures. And so we have a lot of data that we're accumulating now. And really this is just the start of it. So I'm trying to get to 10,000 units. I'm at 4,000 right now. Um, and that'd be the next benchmark. And then from there, reassess and see how we get to 25 50 100 wherever it is amazing alex well thank you for coming on and sorry that thank you guys uh, fell off the planet but <laughs> from me and mike thank you and good luck with everything it's awesome appreciate that's you guys a, thank you so good. much have a great morning hey, let me in. there we go all right <laughs> i i love it um you, you know what's so good so good about that you guys is i literally i'm like what a dumb business. Like, how's this dude in all these states? I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And, like, he's an optimist or a optimist. He's definitely a dose of positivity. But it shows you how an open mind, right, is so much better than a closed mind. <laughs> No, the best thing, the best thing you tell the story is you're like, when people try to talk about investments, you're like, I would have invested into Amazon. How stupid. The guy was selling books. Yeah. yeah. And, books. Me, and then all this, yeah, books and what? Like secondhand books? You're an idiot. And then it's yeah. Amazon. You're like, oh. Books, books in your garage. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good business, selling books in your garage. And, and you know, now you're the richest man on earth, uh, which also inspires me to be an American because... Uh, that's what America's about, that you can sell books in your garage and become the richest man on earth. Uh, that's not a bad country to live in. Um, and that's a dose of positivity. Anyway, that's good. Before, uh, I, one more reflection real quick, because, uh, you know, dose of positivity is the theme for today, besides the Australian Book Festival, which we're having here. Uh, make sure you go out and buy a dose of positivity. Uh, you do have an optimist writing the forward as well, although we may want to have Alan Shapiro, because he has a more open mind than me. But I'm dry. I'm driving down to Augusta, and I was telling Justin, who's driving, you guys know Justin. I was like, you know what's so funny? I'm, like, getting a little frustrated because my signal's gone in the middle of, you know, Georgia. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you know, the first time I drove down to Augusta, there was no cell phones. So I never noticed you didn't have connectivity. <laughs> or people get pissed off because you can't bring your cell phone into, into Augusta National. That was never an issue when I first come into the National uh, Augusta as well, right? Nobody had cell phones, so nobody cared. You couldn't ring a cell phone uh, as well. Anyways, to that point, it's takeaway of the day. Everybody, it's a dose of positivity day. Go out, get your copy. If there hasn't ever been an illustration of how important it is to have a dose of positivity of an open mind, Alex Shapiro proved my point because uh, I want to invest in his company. I am a can monkey junkie. Uh, but go ahead, Mike. What's your takeaway for the day? Simple is don't suffer a near-death experience to make a change. So don't go through hell. You don't have to go through hell to have happiness. You can start right now by changing the way you think and go out and ask someone for help. Those I love it. Michael, I'm broken. 
so excited for you first and foremost mike the dose of positivity is incredible got my copy you're going to be interviewed with me here in a couple of days i'm super excited um you know for me i think the the biggest one is just going back to that thing about gratitude you know you, you get on the airplane the wi-fi goes down and you're like oh this is the worst day ever and i always think to myself yeah but 2500 years ago it'd be impossible to even get to where you're going so you know a little bit of gratitude goes a long way in setting you up for success in your day yeah, those are Michael and Broken. Uh, welcome, by the way, to joining us on Wednesdays. Uh, you can tell we, we need someone uh, who's a little bit more serious than us two. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but that gratitude was amazing when, uh, and that was Chris who brought up gratitude was you know his superpower of when he did bottom out eight times in his life uh, of being able to find the light, the love, and the lessons, and you don't need it here death experience to do so mine is simply just how important it is to have an open mind a dose of positivity in your life open minds mean open hearts open hearts lead to open hands open hands receive and give uh it's the international uh symbol for receiving and giving uh and so may we all have open minds open hearts and open hands may we all read and have a dose of positivity i'm lucky and blessed to have the double mics here on the mic on Wednesday on office hours. I'm Dave Meltzer. That's Michael Diamond and Michael Unbroken. Both of you guys, please give Jakey Banky a call. We got to figure out Beacon because the great Gary B has given us an amazing Dave Meltzer experience and a mastermind uh, that everybody should want to come to. We need uh, more double mics with uh, Sean Dill, myself, Austin Eckler, uh, Jim Quick. It's going to be a uh, hell of a friday saturday experience uh and i want you both to be there in indianapolis at lucas oil stadium everybody go spend some spare change and change your life dose of positivity let's all have it throughout the day be kind to your future self and do good deed gentlemen i'll see you soon awesome those are my boys next on the mic the double mic on wednesday we're here every wednesday almost the 500 episodes no joke uh time flies when you're having fun so everyone try to have as much fun as me if you can do your best learn lessons and have fun if you're down in augusta please join us tonight we have the vip barbecue the masters barbecue at our home just email me david at dmelter.com i'll be signing books taking pictures answering questions if you can't make it down if you're not in atlanta or south carolina north carolina or somewhere close if you can't make it down to me then just email me, I'll send you a book, sign it, ship it, pay for both the book and shipping. Uh, but as always, as I stated to my two dear friends, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow, we'll see you tonight. Take care.